Hello, my name is Andrew Gary, and welcome to Seismic Sound Off in depth conversations in applied geophysics. In this episode, I speak with Dr. Michal Ruder on continuing education in her new course, Gravity and Magnetics for Explorationists. In this forward-thinking conversation, Michal shares the most important thing for explorationists to focus on right now, what she would say to the CEO of an oil and gas company, the future of GIS data for exploration, and the importance of non-seismic work in geophysics. As the world transitions to more forms of hybrid learning, this episode will help provide clarity and direction in your continuing education. This episode is sponsored by TGS. TGS offers a wide range of energy data and insights to meet the industry where it's at and where it's headed. TGS provides scientific data and intelligence to companies active in the energy sector. In addition to a global, extensive, and diverse energy data library, TGS offers specialized services such as advanced processing and analytics, alongside cloud-based data applications and solutions. For the link to Mihao's course and more educational resources, visit seg.org slash podcast. Now for our conversation. So let's get started. You've been a member of SEG for 20 years and active as an instructor for 10 years. You know, what initially inspired you to take the role of instructor at SEG after being a member for a while? Well, uh, it was a great opportunity. And at the time I was consulting uh, at Exxon and the leader of our group is Mike Schoenberg. He um, had offered me the opportunity to teach at the in-house Exxon school uh, for Gravity and Mag. And I had a really good good time doing that. And uh, I guess that the reviews were were okay. Uh, and Mike at that time was president of SEG and he wanted to see more con- continuing education emphasis at that time. And he offered me the opportunity to write the class and I grabbed it and I've been doing it ever since. So shout out to Mike. Thanks for that opportunity. And uh, I've certainly benefited from it over uh, the last 20 years for sure. Well, speaking of of Gravity and Mag, you have a course called Gravity and Magnetics for Explorationists, which is available on SEG's on-demand platform since February. What benefits have you seen for learners since making this particular course available virtually? Yeah, already we've seen uh, people signing up to get access to the program, which is great. And um, one of the things that we've emphasized is that as questions arise, they should feel free to reach out to me by email. And people have done that, which has been great. Uh, So I've been in contact with a number of people who've already taken the class. They have follow-up questions. And of course, through email, we can uh, easily address all of that. So no matter what's going on in the outside world with pandemics and lockdowns, this is a very cost-effective way for us to get the learning material out there, which is great. And that's very nice of you to offer a direct line to the instructor as well. With this, you know, kind of new normal for a while, and maybe just these these online courses will, will become a little bit more typical. Do you have any tips of how people can get the most out of virtual courses and virtual learning? Well, you know, in the past year, I'm sure all of us have gotten used to very informal ways of attending meetings, you know, in pajamas or who knows what. Um, So certainly to take these classes, which are online on demand, uh, to focus on them when you're most alert, obviously, that's kind of a no brainer. If you feel like your attention is lagging, take a break. 
um, and come back when you are fresh because this is one opportunity where you really have that flexibility. So I would encourage people to please do that. Also, when you're taking the class, I'm pretty sure that the instructor's coordinates are available to you. So reach out and ask questions. I mean, I think that all of us who are participating in continuing education with the society are very committed to ensuring that the material is properly explained and then properly applied. So I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only instructor who welcomes email contact. So I would certainly encourage people to do that for sure. It reminds me of professors encouraging students to visit them during office hours. Uh, it's a valuable thing to take up. In this time, what, what resources or activities do you consider essential for the professional development of explorationists? That's a really fine question. I think um, certainly communication is critical, uh, being able to express our ideas clearly, being also able to be sensitive enough to our audience so that we can tell if we're if people are following us and if they're getting the most out of what we're trying to communicate with them and if and if they're not we've got to find another way of uh getting our points across so i mean that's just sort of a, a general comment that probably is true in just about every field uh in geophysics in particular keeping our eyes on the horizon to try to look forward to what the industry is doing now and what we need to be doing uh, for the next 10 years, for the next 20 years, to be as effective as we can in terms of our exploration efforts. It's really easy to just think about what's going on right now and just plan for right now. And I think that uh, we're going to do ourselves a disservice if that's all that we do. So, for example, um, SEG offers lots of online presentations from uh, the distinguished lecture series to many, many other opportunities. And, you know, those are excellent talks by real experts. Uh, and we need to be making those available as frequently as we can and attending them also, uh, because this is how we're going to push forward and go ahead with uh, the new technologies and the new ideas. Yeah, and it can always be valuable just to sit in on with, with all these proliferations of talks to sit in on something maybe you're not even knowledgeable on and who knows what ideas could come from, you know, just listening to someone else at the top of their field. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I just listened to Lucy's talk on multiphysics and that was an excellent talk. And and she's really able to emphasize clearly how important it is to think not only about your niche in geophysics, but all of the other geophysical properties that we want to model. In the long run, this idea of a common Earth model, where we're able to develop physical property models, which satisfy not only acoustic properties for seismic, but density and magnetic susceptibility, conductivity, resistivity, other, other aspects of our Earth models. When we can build these which satisfy numerous data sets all at once, I think, you know, that's when we're really making progress to try to constrain models and understand Earth better. What, what do you feel is most important right now for explorationists to focus on? Yeah, <laughs> this may sound funny, but uh, throughout my career, one thing that I've seen is uh, data drives everything. So the better quality data you have, the more coverage of data that you've got, the more you can do in terms of geophysical modeling and geophysical interpretation. So I can't 
get away from just data, data, data. And, you know, it's really tough in this environment for a lot of companies to commit to acquiring new data sets. And I think that really hurts us because with the new data, that's how we're going to get more information about the subsurface. So I'd really, really like to encourage companies to, even though times are tough and budgets are tight, keep collecting data. Well, that that kind of answers this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because maybe there's an additional thing. You know, if you could speak directly to the CEO of an oil and gas company outside of continuing to locate and find and create these data sets, what would you like them to keep in mind right now? Keep exploring. You know, again, I think during this period of time, it's been uh, so tough and a lot of companies have just, you know, hunkered down to the point where there's really not much activity at all. And listen, I'm a small business person and I completely understand that. All the same, uh, we've got to continue to, to at least plan to look for something whatever it is that we are looking for. It's water, hydrocarbons, minerals, whatever. And to remain committed to that and to look for that opportunity. You know, what lessons from the pandemic have you taken and applied to how you think about the future of continuing education? You know, on the continuing ed committee, for years we've been talking about online offerings and how important it is that we not only conduct our classes in person, which is wonderful, and also that we turn to looking uh, for opportunities to present them online to our colleagues who are all around the world and at all different time zones, may not be able to travel, whatever. So the pandemic has really pushed that into a reality. You know, I think we'd all sort of puttered around with the idea and we had a few courses out there. And since the onset of COVID, I think that SEG has really emphasized how important that is. And uh, much to the credit of the CE staff, uh, they've made it so easy for us to record our own classes and work with us on timing. So it's been a real cinch for us to get these classes going. Prior to the pandemic, I did not think that it was going to be so easy. You know, one of your your expertises in GIS data, what do you, just kind of thinking ahead, you know, thinking about the next 10, 20 years, what, what is the future of using GIS data for exploration purposes? Oh, well, you know, it, it's been uh, an essential part of exploration ever since the first relational databases and mapping algorithms really came into came into being. And I just see it growing and growing. We've got so many of our young graduates have some background in GIS, which is great, uh, so that the, they're already coming into the industry with some knowledge of how to put together maps and how to integrate multiple data sets. Again, uh, one of the concepts that you and I just talked about a little bit ago was this common earth model. And GIS is such a great platform for helping us be able to build that stuff. You know, it's it's um, kind of funny. Uh, even the name of this podcast is called Seismic Sound Off. And I always kid around with my students about this, that gravity and mag, that's also geophysics. But when we think about SEG and when we think about geophysics, what comes to most people's minds is seismic. And uh, we've often been thought of as, quote, an other geophysical method or, or a non-seismic method. And at the same time, you know, we still can play an important role. And GIS, I think, is also 
part of that too. So, um, you know, it's again, when seismic is not enough and we have to turn to other geophysical technologies, GIS helps us to put all of those things together into this common earth model. What future technique for modeling and interpreting gravity and mag data would possibly change the field forever? Uh, That's a great question. I'm certainly not equipped to answer that in a definitive manner. Certainly one thing that people are already working on, which is great, is um, simultaneous inversion of different kinds of data. And, you know, again, we just heard a nice nice talk on this as well with uh, electromagnetics and uh, seismic data. So being able to do this with gravity and magnetics and acoustic properties all at the same time, I think that is going to be a real, a real big change for sure. If you could solve one mystery as a, a geophysicist, what would you want to solve? No, oh, <laughs> there are a couple things that I do think about a lot. One of them is um, understanding the Earth's core magnetic field better and really getting a handle on why we have these uh, magnetic pole reversals over time, understanding that mechanism. That would be very exciting. And then, of course, I think everybody wants to see better earthquake prediction. So I, I think those would be my two points. And, and lastly here, just kind of more generally, what one piece of advice would you offer someone looking to succeed in this field? Boy, you know, keeping an, keeping an open mind, continuing to ask questions, looking for ways that you can learn from others and recognizing how much other people can offer in terms of their experience that they can share with you. That is a that is a great answer there. Is there anything else you, you would like to share before we part this afternoon? I'm delighted to have this opportunity to talk with you and again to be able to showcase a non-seismic method. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we might need to think about rebranding the podcast uh, in the future. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Seismic sound off goes non-seismic. <laughs> well, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for taking out time of your morning and, and sharing your insights about continuing ed and, and as well as gravity and mag and and hope uh, hope the best for the future for you. Andrew, thank you for this opportunity. And uh, I wish you continued enjoyment with your interviewing of geophysicists from all portions of our expertise. Thank you for listening to SEG's flagship podcast, Seismic Sound Off. SEG produces these episodes to benefit its members, the geophysics community, and inform the public on the value of the science. To show your support for the show, please share this episode with a friend, colleague, or manager that would enjoy hearing this show. Your recommendation is the single best action you can take on behalf of SEG's podcast. Go to the website at seg.org forward slash podcast to find all the episodes and learn how you can subscribe for free directly on your phone. Original music by Zach Bridges. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by Andrew Gary at 51 Features. The SEG podcast team is Ted Bakamjan, Jennifer Crockett, Ali McGinnis, and Mick Sweeney. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off.